Thank you so much for watching The Last of Us You and Me podcast, a companion podcast for the HBO show The Last of Us. I am Sancho West. This is the review and breakdown of episode six titled Ken. Wow, what an episode. And I got to say, I tweeted this. If you follow me at Twitter, at Sancho West, that this was by far the best Last of Us episode. You know, episode four was a great television episode, no doubt. That would give them the Emmys. That would give them the, the critic nod. But episode six was for the fans, in my opinion, and by far captured everything what made awesome of Joel and Ellie and added so much more to what the video game has. And I got to say... Considering that this episode had minimal violence, zero infected, no bloaters, no king rats, none of that sort, it was so good. Masterclass in storytelling, masterclass in acting, masterclass in writing, everything about this episode I was enamored with the most. And from top to bottom, all the way through, it was by far the best treatment of the video game track that we've talked about here on this podcast of you know being respectful to the video game and at the same time leaving Easter eggs for The Last of Us Part 2. If this is your first time watching The Last of Us You and Me podcast, is basically we we go into spoiler territory but without any kind of like giving it away everything. I will let you give you a warning to let you know when I'm about to do any kind of spoilers and things of that sort. But if you're a longtime member of The Last of Us universe and you played Last of Us Part 1 and Last of Us Part 2, this entire episode has some good chock full Easter eggs especially when they went to Jackson and set up for episode of part two in regards to the game itself. But we won't get in too far into that if you're just someone who watches the show or has never played the game. Of course, we're always respectful, but I do appreciate you tuning in. But let me get back to the what I love about the episode. I've already said it. It's by far the best Last of Us episode, but we saw a lot of great things between Joel and Ellie. Let's start with Joel. I love this iteration of Joel. I mentioned this in the previous episodes here of this pod. That Joel is vulnerable. Joel has a lot of death. Joel is scared of what's out there. In the video game, Joel is literally a one-man army. Joel could take out multiple people. We, the player, embody Joel, and we go and mow down everything in front of us. Not only just human players, but infected and bloaters. Granted, there's a lot of times we'll respawn and we have to restart again. But Joel is a veteran of this world when it comes to the video game. But this Joel... Pedro Pascal's Joel is scared. He's timid. He's worried. He's slowing down. Time is catching up to him. He's having heart issues. He suffers from a lot of PTSD. And that in itself what makes me love this Joel so much. When he reunites with Tommy in that scene, that brotherly scene between Joel and Tommy in the workbench was really good. I told my wife, finally, they gave Pedro Pascal something to do in this episode beside being the good, you know, the soldier, so to speak, moving on through. This was some grade A acting from Pedro Pascal. And I was so happy to see that from this Joel. And I love how layered he is. And I love the nuance of the performance. This was a great a kind of like extension to what we've been seeing Pedro getting into. You know, we saw in the previous episode him telling Henry, look, man, I'm sorry. That's something that we've never saw Joel do. And that's what makes it so interesting when we see Joel in part two. We're wondering, what? who's this Joel? Because part one Joel was unstoppable. Part two Joel, you know, 
this is what we see a little bit. And I love that The Last of Us is laying the foundation for this show. And considering that they started laying layering this foundation before season two was greenlit, lets me know that they're very confident in them what they were doing. So Joel, really awesome. Ellie, Bella Ramsey, just killing it, doing such a great job with her quips, with her attitude, with interacting with other characters besides Joel. That's the Ellie that we know. And I love the scene between we saw with Ellie and Maria. That's a great scene that being able to Ellie to hold her own. She's not afraid of anybody. I mean, she's gone through a lot already in her life. And I like that she still has that bite when she's without Joel. But then on the flip side, there's little hints that she doesn't want to be without Joel. We saw in the scene in the cabin with those two elderly couples and she was afraid to leave without. There's a moment she's like, oh my God, I can't go without Joel. And I love that entire thing, especially when we get to Jackson, when Joel is trying to give her off to Tommy and you see that great scene. And we're getting ahead of myself, but I got to say, like I mentioned, Joel and Ellie's relationships here in front and center throughout this entire episode beyond the Jackson part is that you see a lot of traveling kind of like Lord of the Rings type beat. And seeing Joel and Ellie's interactions, seeing Joel explain to her what football was all about, seeing Joel talked about contractors, seeing Joel teaching her about the past and everything is what I love about the show itself. When it's not leaning on this walking dead type thing. And I know so many other people out there are saying like, what is makes this special from the walking dead? And my Facebook group, people that are not familiar with the last of us video game, will keep saying like, what is makes this different from the Walking Dead. This right here, this episode is what makes it so different from anything that The Walking Dead has done. It doesn't rely on the infected. And that is where I think this entire HBO run is at its weakness. Now, I'm not saying that it's at a complete weakness or like this is unbearable. I'm saying that when every time I see a clicker or an affected, I'm like, can we just get back to Joel and Ellie? Because that is what is at the heart of this entire thing. And which is the quite opposite when it comes to a video game. Because like I mentioned in like really early in this podcast, I think by episode two, is that when the game doesn't have to do action sequences, that is when it's at its best. And you're seeing that a lot in the differences between the game and this episode in the HBO show is that there's a lot less violence. Joel literally went through so many action sequences already that he doesn't even do in this show and the show doesn't really suffer from it. And I like that they're metered with Joel's intensity because when he does get ultra violent, it adds a lot to the story and it adds a lot of intensity. We hear a lot throughout this entire episode and we've been hearing it before in the season that Joel's not a good dude and he has a great conversation with Tommy that we've done some things and Tommy's like, man, those are not things we murdered people. There's a little bit of my Tommy impression. Granted, I am wearing a Tommy jacket. But still, Joel's not a good dude. We're getting hints of that in this episode. Maria doesn't trust Joel. And I just love the entire thing from top to bottom. I'm getting ahead of myself, but overall, my review, 10 out of 10, one of the best episodes in a long time. And uh, considering what happened with Henry and Sam, when they added something, they added the Kathleen, the Kansas City storyline, to me, didn't really hit. Wasn't really worried with that because, you know, Perry and Kathleen were characters that we knew that they were going to get rid of eventually. But I, what I was worried about was them doing this big cul-de-sac actions piece. In that episode, I talked about that it kind of felt like a Game of Thrones battle scene and that it was just being something that to 
appease the fans of the game in the way to be like, calm down, there's action, calm down, here's a bloater, calm down, here's a bloater taking out somebody like the video game. To be able to do something different from the game and retain a lot of what we love from the game and add a lot more is the secret sauce to this episode and to what makes this HBO series great. For it to stand alone, if you haven't played the game and to, for you to like it, to be enthralled with it, I think it's a big W. So that is my review of that. Let's go ahead and do the plot breakdown. If you haven't seen this episode, this is where we're going to get to spoiler territory. But I did my best to like kind of like go over the notes. And like I mentioned before in this podcast, we kind of go through what is the differences between the episode and things of that sort. That a little nuances between the game and here is if you're interested as well. So episodes start off. It is literally a flash forward. It actually shows Henry at the end of episode five. But we get a flash forward three months later and they moved across the country. It's so interesting to see in this moment, Joel is holding up a couple in the cabin. And the difference between the game and the mo- and the show is that in the game, Joel does this point to the map thing in between two people against two hunters. And Joel is a lot more visceral. He's very scary in this moment because Joel literally kills a dude because the other dude lied. And we don't get that in the show. Instead, Joel does it to this couple and doesn't have that same kind of vibe to it. And like I said, Joel in the video game and this Joel are different dudes. And Joel in the in the show doesn't want to do violence. We already seen him be remorseful, regretful. He doesn't want to have to hurt anybody. He didn't want to hurt this couple as well. He's just passing through. But what's so interesting is when you think about it is how many times in the previous interactions with Joel that, we, of course, we haven't seen is that when maybe so many people told Joel... We're just passing through. I mean, remember, we're dealing with a Joel that has PTSD, that is feeling like he's lost a step. And he is, he admitted himself in the later scene with Tommy is that he freezes when he has to make a decision that he's frozen in fear. This is where we get that first iteration of, uh, or first hint that Joel has heart problems. And right then and there, I'm like, wow, I really feel for Joel because in the game, like I mentioned, this dude was a one-man army. This dude had plot armor. You didn't have to worry about anything. Granted, I know that Joel's going to make it to the end of this season, but it's so interesting to see that Joel has a lot of ailments. And that kind of makes sense to it because just to skip ahead, when Joel goes to Tommy, he's like, you need to take Ellie. It was just, it didn't really make sense considering that you were just Joel and you handled every single problem in front of you. And for Joel just to say to Tommy, and to tell Ellie, it didn't really feel convincing. But I love that the show gave a very valid reason why for Joel to feel that he needs to be, uh, Ellie needs to be left with Tommy because he lost his step. Found that quite interesting. One of the biggest things that I've seen here is that Gustavo's themes is so good. I say this every time, but I love the clever use of Gustavo's theme. It's, it's littered throughout the show, but it just feels so good and, and adds so much more to the show that I feel that is very underappreciated. I haven't seen anything really out in social media or other reviews talk about how good Gustavo's themes is. But they, they, they use the intro, the outro, they use the menu themes. It's all in such a good way. And this is what I was talking about. This is where in the episode we finally get to see a good sense of who Joel and Ellie is. And it feels good to see them this relationship blossom. You hear Ellie ask Joel, what, what are your dreams are if you ever were going to move forward? And he Joel talks about having a sheep ranch. And this is where we get a great 
call, uh, not necessarily a callback, but I was going to say an Easter egg to Last of Us Part 2. Not really a big spoiler, uh, but Ellie continues talking about being an astronaut and things of that sort. So it is for the people that played The Last of Us Part 2, you get a good kind of good feeling about that. You see the little seed that was planted regarding that. And I, I just love this entire moment here. I mean, you have... Uh, you know, Ellie trying to whistle and things like that. In that moment is here. You have some great interactions, but I, I just got to say, I mean, Joel, my man, Joel, you have failed in every night's watch you've been in. Henry stuck up on you one, and this time Ellie was able to get the jump. And that, I, like I said, it's very great to see those seeds being planted that Joel is lost his step and that Joel is, is missing a lot of details that kept him alive throughout this entire journey. Um, and then we, from there, we go into some new things a little bit. Now, here we see the dam a little bit. And in the in the video game itself, the dam plays an important set piece. It's another action area where you have to help to turn on the generators to help Tommy. But this time, we skip all that. And instead, Joel and Ellie run into the Jackson people and run into Maria, who is one of the council members of Jackson. And what a great way to add some a little bit of intensity for the, you know, what's going to happen to Ellie. This dog who can smell the infected doesn't really see or smell the infected. But what the great point is, is that I love the attention that's happening here. And it's more for Joel is not doing anything. He's not saying anything. He's not trying to stop them from harassing Ellie. And I love that he brings that up later and as a way to say, Tommy, please take over. Now, for those who don't know, Jackson is in The Last of Us Part Two, and it is literally pulled straight from the game. Everything's great. The set decoration, you really feel like you're in Jackson. The interiors, the set design, I got to say, like Naughty Dog has to have someone helping out with the production because they nailed everything, either providing concept arts or providing everything. Whoever put together these sets, phenomenal job in scout locations. I mean, I really felt like I was in the game. One of my favorite moments in this entire episode was Pedro's yelling of Tommy. It's such a, like, on the paper, it was just says Tommy, right? But the way he screams it, there's just so much pain behind it and so much happiness to see Tommy mix in the same time and seeing the two brothers hug. Oh, what a great moment. And I got to say, man, uh, Tommy... Gabriel Luna is really great to see him back. We saw him in the very first episode, understanding that we weren't going to see him again until we get to Jackson. But what a great performance from Gabriel Luna this entire episode. And what a great person to play off of Pedro Pascal. You know, what I loved in the in, earlier in the show was Pedro was talking about, or Joel was talking about Tommy as a joiner. Tommy is a hero. Tommy joined the military so he could become a hero. He followed the Fireflies to become that. He followed Joel because he's a follower. Like, kind of Tommy doesn't really think for himself type of thing but he always tries to do the right thing and it's so interesting to see that Joel and Tommy had the split and just to see that brotherhood you know hey they love each other but they protect each other but at the same time they're still at there's a lot of deep stuff that's current and you see that that pull and, and tear and all those kinds of things when Tommy and Joel are talking to each other you would think like hey the band's back together again I feel safe but they're still like butting heads, which I find so fascinating. And it's performed such a great way between Pedro Pascal and Gabriel Luna. So we're getting into that. I, like I mentioned, the, the lighting for the hall is all the same. The, the, I love the scene at the Jackson with Maria, Tommy, Joel, and Ellie. Again, some great lines from Ellie here. But this is where you get to see that there is some kind of like thick cloud, like there's an elephant in this room between all the characters. And Maria, no doubt, knows that Joel's not a good dude. And Tommy most likely told 
Maria about Joel and how they did bad things. And he's probably given everything to her and confessed everything to her. And Maria just does not trust Joel. And so interesting to me that I found it. I was like, why isn't Joel telling Tommy at this point what's going on with Ellie? But obviously he doesn't trust Maria. They try to have a family meeting. And this is where they reveal that Maria and Tommy are together, that they're married. And I just love Ellie's reaction to like, congratulations, Joel say congratulations. And just in the great Pedro Pascal new Joel line delivery is congratulations. So that's a really cool scene that, of course, that did not happen to the game. Here's another great little Easter egg that happens. Ellie's talking about to Tommy, you know, Tommy's bragging that he could snipe an infected like a mile and a half away, things of that sort. And in The Last of Us Part 2, not really a huge spoiler, but... Tommy and Joel teach Ellie how to snipe. So there, there's like, there, you're seeing the little groundwork here. A lot of the groundwork of planting the seeds, as I mentioned before, for The Last of Us Part 2. Another Easter egg for The Last of Us Part 2 is Shimmer the Horse. You see later on in The Last of Us Part 2. So that was a very great nod for the people who played the game get to notice. Oh, that's Shimmer. Also in that is, uh, this is another great scene between Joel and Tommy at the bar scene where they have the differences. And this is where I begin to wonder why that Joel can't tell Tommy the truth. But like I said, I love the the nuance acting here that Tommy is like, I'm going to be a dad. And Tommy delivers just a banger of a line, you know, just because your life stopped, mine didn't. Of course, Tommy's referring to the, the death of Sarah. And that's when Joel completely changed. Um, but I, I just liked that line delivery from Gabriel Luna. It was really solid. And I felt that this is what I enjoyed the most of this episode was just the interactions between the two characters in general. Here's we get a great shot or a great sound audio cue of the intro theme of when you see the, if you play the video game, when the, the windowsill is available. Like it, so I'm telling you, like Gustavo's music is so good for this show. And Here's a note that I have here. Joel really feels vulnerable this episode. We saw it with the heart issues. We keep seeing it over and over again. But I, it's just so amazing to me that Jackson feels like an oasis in this infective world. But Joel doesn't really feel safe here. And Ellie doesn't feel safe here. They really do feel like outsiders. And I like that Ellie was saying, like, you killed so many people and put warnings at this river that you scared these 70 year old elderly couple to them not to go near you when that couple no doubt would thrive in Jackson. So I find it so interesting that they are feeling very outsider-ish here. We get the the ice cream hoodie, uh, the Neapolitan ice cream hoodie that I, one of my iconic ones, I have that hoodie. It's great to see Ellie rocking it and looks brand spanking new. Of course, it's going to go through a lot of the wear and tear. And this is where we get Maria and Ellie scene, which is nice. Again, we're pulling out that POV from Joel and we're going to Ellie. And see, in the game, a lot of this stuff is not even here because we're dealing with the dam. We're trying to turn on a generator in the dam. We're trying to get the power back to Jackson. We're trying to get Ellie on, on wood pallets to get around. We're fighting effective. We're dealing with spores. We're going underground tunnels. It's kind of like, this is where I'm talking about, where the last of a story gets unshackled from the tropes of video games to be able to keep people invested into the story through kind of mindless action sequences and mindless puzzles not kind of put down the Naughty Dog greatness of the masterpiece, but I understand that Naughty Dog had to do these kinds of things to create a satisfying taste in the gamer's mouth, but the show doesn't have to do that. Instead, the show can focus on the relationships between the characters. 
And that is what I enjoy the most about this Jackson sequence in this episode. So here we go. We continue on. And in that Maria and Ellie scene, we discover that Sarah, that Joel had a daughter named Sarah and Ellie finally gets to hear from Maria. And this is, again, where we start seeing Ellie kind of work the thing is explain so much how Joel was behaving towards her. A lot of people on social media is here at this next moment says, is this the first signing of Dina? Ellie in the kind of mess hall looks at this, this little girl that was looking at Dina and gives her like a, a very aggressive way to scare off. And then we see Dina again at the movie theater saying a lot of people on the internet were saying Dina and it was kind of implied. Again, Dina, Last of Us Part 2. Won't really get into that. And here's where we get into this moment here. Tommy finds Joel sitting on the workbench and Tom, uh, Joel's trying to fix his boots, which are literally torn apart. And he literally had been duct, tie, uh, duct taping them and Joel's just struggling and Tommy understands that and he gives him a pair of boots. But this is seen right here that I think that will get Joel, a.k.a. Pedro Pascal, his Emmy. Such a great scene right here. Being so vulnerable. This is where I, myself, got choked up listening to Joel. They always say, you know, it's like Joel is like a father figure in the video game world. I mean, we embody Joel. We immerse ourselves with Joel's struggle with his loss with Sarah and him taking care of Ellie. We played through this entire journey of taking care of Ellie. But we never got this moment in the game. We never saw Joel's vulnerability. We never saw Joel scared. It was always Joel being the action hero trying to get us to the next plot. And the only time we saw Joel in trouble is when he was physically injured and he was incapacitated. But this Joel is incapacitated with fear. And that is a different kind of vibe. And I think Pedro captures that moment such a good job. And again, Gabriel Luna being the great scene partner that he is, is a great person to bounce off of these moments. And by far... My favorite scene of Pedro Pascal is right here in these moments because not only this moment here is that it, it bumps into the other iconic last of a scene of Ellie and Joel talking about Joel needing to leave Ellie and Ellie not dealing with it. But I think here is correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm just feeling I'm feeling that this is where where Joel tells Ellie, You are you're skating on mighty thin ice. And I think it's here. In my bones, it tells me here, I didn't want to look it up. I'd rather be wrong. But this is where Joel tells Ellie, you're skating on mighty thin ice. And this is where you don't know what Lost is. So I understand maybe why they cut it. It's a good line. It's not like, okay, correct. Let's correction. It's a corny line. But Troy Baker delivers it and he nails it. And I was hoping this hokey line would be in the show. And because I love it so much. It's my favorite thing to tell people. You're skating on mighty thin ice. But it's not here. But I get it. I mean, it could little be a little bit too hokey for the HBO. After that moment, Joel goes off and he sits in his own thoughts. And you could see that he's haunted by the loss of Sarah. He sees someone that looks like Sarah Jackson. He has memories of Sarah on Christmas time. And it, and it just slowly, slowly just continues to weigh him down, continues to slow him down. So we get that moment that finally, uh, you know, we talked about Ellie and Joel Beat for beat, exactly from the sign, minus the Mighty Thin Ice. But it was a great performance from Bella Ramsey. You're seeing her being angry that she's being abandoned. She says, anyone that I care for has either died or abandoned me. So it's a great moment. But you just see Joel being so hard and he's saying, you're right. You're not my daughter and I ain't your daddy. And he goes back into his shell. And then that's when he goes into those moments of thinking about Sarah. 
And then when he the morning comes, Ellie's hoping that it's Joel, but it's Tommy, and she feels a little bit defeated. And then we see Joel in the stables, you know, about to seal a horse. And Joel, I love Tommy's moments. That I think I was going to give it to you anyway. And then he gives him the hunting rifle. I just love all these moments. And I love that, just to rewind it back a bit, at the movie hall, when Maria sees Tommy, she knows that Tommy's going to do something. And there's not this scene between Maria and Tommy of her, her trying to fight uh, Tommy about doing this. It's more about Tommy and Joel. And I really enjoyed that. So this is where... Uh, I, I, they move on through, and we see finally this iconic thumbnail. I, the reason why I say a thumbnail, and it kind of is interesting. So you know that shot, if you remember from the show, where literally Joel and Ellie are hunting with a hunting rifle, and then Joel's like pointing. That is my first Last of Us Factions multiplayer tutorial thumbnail. And it's like something that everybody uses that was used in a lot of video game articles and things like that. But it is such an iconic moment, and for me to see it, it's really trippy and it's really cool at the same time. Um, if you don't know, I mean, that's where I started my entire video game content career is with The Last of Us. And to see that thumbnail and uh, or that moment in the game in the show captured, it, it, it brought a good feeling in my heart. And it's, it's just something, it's just like, you know, as I mentioned, The Last of Us world means a lot to me considering that it's given me so much that I can't even quantify what it's given me, but it's really cool to see the moment. And it's such a good natural scene you know, the quips that Ellie has about towards Joel. Like, there's just so many good moments in this scene, and it kind of pays off because in the video game, Ellie just miraculously knows how to use a hunting rifle because in that, another iconic line that's like, um, like, hit every last shot or make every last, every, make every shot count, something like that of that sort. Someone may correct me, but it made no sense for Ellie all of a sudden to be someone who could hit hunting rifle shots when she's being shot at by people. But it's, 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 great, it's a great action sequence in the video game, but it makes a lot more natural sense here. And this is where the end theme comes up that's played in the end of the video game of while they're exploring. But everything after Jackson is just so good, man. Like I mentioned, the contractor joke, uh, Joel talking about football, like all that stuff is just really good. And at, at this moment, I made a note, like, we're getting to the university scene, which is not in a, it's not a real university for my remember. I was hoping Cobb Stadium will make an appearance here. Uh, Joel and Ellie here at this point are perfect. You're seeing Joel kind of just be enamored with her, joke with her, open up with her, be vulnerable with her, tell her, tell him, uh, tell her his dreams and things of that story. And now they're, they're solidified. They're Joel and Ellie. One thing I noticed as well is we see the monkeys here at the university and uh, I, I I feel like Pittsburgh had a giraffe scene, the giraffe scene. And my gut tells me that we're not going to get that giraffe scene because we're already in Jackson. We're already near the third act of the game. It may come back as a flashback, but we did not get a single giraffe scene, which is odd because the giraffe is kind of like an unofficial mascot to The Last of Us. So it's so interesting to see, I guess, Neil Druckmann give up that iconic moment. Maybe we'll see it later. Um, because it did happen in the game way before anything in the winter. So it'd be interesting to see if they bring back that scene. If, if you're only watching just the show, uh, there is a scene that's kind of like the monkeys, but not really. Um, it's a great moment in the video game is that you rest and you stop to talk about giraffes and how life was and how life moves on. It's like the giraffes were a symbol that nature moves on and so will us human beings move on from this terrible thing that happened to all of us that wiped us almost all off the earth. And it's so interesting you take this moment and you kind of chill with these giraffes and 
Ellie feels like a kid again and she pets these giraffes and Joel has a moment where he could rest and let his guard down. And that is one of those moments, I guess, that you could see Joel's vulnerability, but it's it's just not it's so different from what it's being presented here on the show. So here's another big difference, though, as well. Joel's injury. Um, in the game, you go through this entire university sequence and you notice there's a lot of people that are raiders that are left over here. Of course, in the show, we're seeing the university that the Fireflies have moved on towards Salt Lake City. They're no longer part here. Joel and Ellie find a packing list and that they can't find any Fireflies despite seeing that bright yellow logo. No Fireflies in sight, but there are scavengers walking around. Thankfully, with no weapons, they only have melee weapons. Um, but here... In the game, it's a lot, and again, another action sequence, but you know, if you, I guess you're going to critique it and I feel like there is a lot of criticisms coming from The Last of Us fans who played the video game are saying like, this action sequence is missing, this little action sequence is missing, but once again, early on, I think the show established that Joel's going to be different because Joel's not going to be mowing down people left and right. But here we go. This injury that Joel suffers is a lot different, but this is where I was talking about that Joel's violence is quantified, amplified, all those kind of metaphors or those adjectives because he doesn't do it a lot in the show when Joel gets somebody in that chokehold that's very reminiscent to what it is in the games and he breaks that dude's neck, you see Ellie's fear and Joel like, holy, you just did that for a split second. You just murdered this man in cold blood and he's dead and Ellie kind of has this reaction to it, shocked. But then, you know, it's all washed over by seeing Joel's injury and gets shivved. In the game, the difference is Joel gets knocked down from the second story into the floor and gets impaled right through the gut. Ellie finds him. Ellie pulls him off. Ellie then kind of takes Joel out of the building. But I like how the, the show does it. It's much, it feels more organic, you know. It shows you not only it adds to the narrative that Joel is a little slow, that Joel talked about it with Tommy in that scene is that a 14-year-old snuck up on me and I'm deaf and things of that sort and I'm and I'm losing my step. For him to get hurt here on a guy that, again, he did not hear. He did not see. Ellie's the one that called out for Joel. And this man was able to get to Joel. Joel's injured. They get away on the horse. And here is where another instance where the tv medium serves the story a lot more than the game and i had to go back to watch the cutscene because you know i did play this game once a long time ago when the playstation 3 i've yet to play it through but like i said a lot of the moments still stick with me in the game and i had to double check if i was correct here in the game when joel goes down ellie ellie um off the horseback ellie's like joel get up get up get up get up she doesn't really say much she says come on and then it cuts to black and like Joel starts like losing consciousness. But in the movie, in the show, I'm sorry, in the show, you see Ellie's fear and vulnerability. She starts tearing up. She says, I can't do this without you. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. And in the game, we lose that because it cuts off. Because again, we are immersed in Joel's eyes. And I love that moment so much here in the show. How now Ellie, for the first time, most likely would be by herself. Um, if you're the type of person that didn't watch the next on, we're going to get a really good chunk of Ellie's backstory here. Um, but 
I love that moment, and I love Bella Ramsey's performance in that moment. I think Bella Ramsey and Pedro Pascal continue to do their own work, continue to be their own versions of Ellie and Joel, and I just think it's working so well. And, I, and the characters are the main star of this episode, and I really feel that this is what the epitome or everything that The Last of Us is. The very beginning of the show, Neil Druckmann talked about, it's a show about love and what's more important than love between family. Even sometimes family drives you crazy. Tommy and Joel at the end of the day are brothers. And then that great line, and I love it. And Tommy goes, adios, big brother. God, such a great line. And they hug and they part ways. But like I said, by far, my favorite Last of Us episode. If you normally turn into this podcast, you know we have tweets. But again, we're going to try to catch up to those tweets because we saw Friday last episode five was before the Super Bowl. So I was able to read your tweets. So next week's episode will be your reactions to this episode when it comes to the Last of Us, you and me. If you like what you hear, please consider subscribing here on YouTube. It will be up on services like Spotify and SoundCloud if you're an audio listener. But I am Sancho West. Thank you so much. And as always, endure and survive. Adios.